Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there will be no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Long Underwear podcast. My name is Amy Ingerbretson, and today I have Julian Carr on the podcast. Julian, welcome to Long hey, Underwear. Hey, how's it going? Thanks. Stoked to be on it. Yes. Um, well, so we're in Salt Lake City right now, and you are from Salt Lake City. You were born and raised in Salt Lake City, and we were up skiing solitude yesterday. And I just want you to tell me a little bit more about your early skiers. You, you started skiing kind of late, but it seems like you got into it real fast. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, born and raised in Salt Lake City, in the avenues above downtown, um, kind of in the foothills there. And um, yeah, it took me till eighth grade to learn how to ski, um, which I guess is kind of late in this scene. But, um, but not in the rest yeah. of the world. <laughs> but it's funny because growing up, I did a lot of team sports, um, football, basketball, soccer, uh, and I skateboarded a lot. And then in fifth grade, I actually went out for um, snowboarding. And we got dropped off a couple hours before our lesson. Both my mom and the parent of my friend I was with was like, wait until your lesson. Because the lesson wasn't until like noon. And mm-hmm. so we're both like, you know, okay, we'll wait yeah, till noon. Sure. And of course, we didn't wait. <laughs> and first run within like the first 100 feet, I took a pretty good biff and twisted up my knee. And had to get sledded down and everything. And oh I had to be on gosh. crutches for like half the year in fifth grade. And yeah, so... I didn't touch snow again until eighth grade. My mom skied and she would go every weekend with her friends and she'd be like, come skiing, come skiing. And finally I was like, all right, mom, I'll go skiing. And yeah, like day one, I remember just looking down at the chairlift and like watching people and I just like understood how they were parallel skiing. It just like kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, by day two, I was bombing hills yeah going fast parallel skiing it just clicked and i was just like man i, I, mean, I fell in love with it immediately that's like, so funny since you were so into skateboarding like oh, it's yeah. my understanding you well, were yeah, way it's into so skateboarding because if i wouldn't have gotten hurt that day in fifth grade snowboarding mm-hmm. like for a fact i would have never touched skis so yeah it's like so cool for me that i can feel so at home on a skateboard and like so at home on skis too yeah. so i'm just like grateful that do you happened. still skate much yeah, me and some buddies still like bomb from up above the University of Utah to downtown. That sounds so Just on, the, on our short boards and there's like, you know, still little spots we do manual curbs and ollie around and whatnot. So minimal, but I still go. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've like never skateboarded. I need a lesson. It's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> I think that's cool though that skiing clicked for you so quickly because I think if I think about you as a skier, I think that your ability to kind of visualize and such is like your strongest kind of characteristic that's very unique in terms of like especially the way you're able to approach big airs yeah i think that you know the way i really always and i still appreciate about the skateboard world is you know there's no you can just be so creative and like unlimited at the way you put together uh lines Mm because i was always just a street skater so as soon as i got on skis uh, I kind of had, I did a lot of gymnastics too when I was little, but I was always just addicted to the foam pit. I never really <laughs> <laughs> nailed much of routines. I was just always playing in the foam pit. Yeah. And so 
That makes sense. Yeah, kind of like as soon as I started skiing a lot, I was like, oh, man, this is just a bigger playground a to <laughs> have a bigger foam pit and put together these cool features, just like how skateboarders cruise around and make the most of their surroundings. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, there's lots of big surroundings around here and mm -hmm. huge foam pit, you know? So yeah. it was kind of that background, strange background that led to me, I guess, having that unique eye for uh, what wasn't really and isn't doesn't happen all that often. No, totally. That's cool. It was, I mean, it was fun skiing yesterday and you were just kind of talking about like, oh, that was my first 360. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. How many Warren Miller movies have you been in? You've been in quite a few. Uh, seven. Seven more Miller. Seven. Yeah. Wow. What's crazy. What's your favorite or what's like your standout? Oh segment? man, probably my first one, Children of Winter, because, you know, I grew up in, in eighth grade, the first movie I went and saw was uh, Warren Miller's Extreme, Extreme Skiing 2. It was like the Scott Schmidt story. Wow. And so that also helped shape the way I perceived the mountains because I thought all skiers were looking for cool cliffs and stuff like Scott. Totally. Um, and it was just so cool every year to go to Warren Miller. And the fact that's still such a gateway to so many people's start to skiing is, is Warren Miller. And it's just kind of a celebration of the skier starting. So the first time I had a chance to work with Warren Miller, that movie just came out great. And it was a Utah segment. So I got to be in my hometown. It snowed a ton that winter. And I was just like, so proud to be in a Utah segment yeah. in a Warren Miller movie. So it was like pinching myself the whole time. Yeah. That's, I mean, those of us that are lucky enough to have been in a Warren Miller movie, I think we can all think of the first time we got the call. Yeah, and for sure. Psyched. That feeling never gets old. Um, well, here we are talking about skiing, and we're supposed to be on a podcast where we don't talk about skiing. So um, <laughs> I think we should not talk about skiing anymore. What do you think? Sure. I'm into it. <laughs> okay. It's called the S word. We don't say it. And if I say it, I owe you a cookie. And if you say it, you owe me a cookie. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, okay. We've got some beers. So cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers to other life outside of the S word. There we go. <laughs> Okay, Long Underwear listeners, moving forward, there's going to be no more mention of the S-word. But first, we are going to take a quick break to hear from one of our partners. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. Finding the best snow takes local knowledge, which is why our team of local forecasters write a daily snow commentary focusing on Tahoe, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, the Northwest, and the Northeast. Go to opensnow.com or download the OpenSnow app for iPhone or Android, search for and then favorite your local daily snow and read it each morning to always know where and when to find the best powder. Okay, so I, when I think of you, I think something that's really interesting about you and maybe something that not everyone is crazy aware of is like, you are a businessman <laughs> and you have a bit, been a businessman through and through. Um, that's really impressive. What are your businesses for those listeners at home? Um, I founded Discreet Clothing mm -hmm. and, you know, we're a pretty simple, mostly headwear brand in the outdoor industry. We make lots of beanies and uh, neck gaiters and flannels and hoodies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then Cirque Series Mountain Races. Mm -hmm. uh, so we throw short and super intense vert to really cool peaks um, in uh, four states. Yeah. Um, six races each summer. Yeah. And so both of those, yeah, are definitely quite the... Um, the projects, you know. Well, you have like an entire <laughs> career 
um, in something that we don't talk about. Yeah. But you also have these very, um, what I would call successful businesses. And I kind of just am curious, like, where does that side of your personality come from? Like, where does that business mindset come from? Where did the motivation to, like, because also you're, you're like, you're young and you, you didn't stop your career to start a business life. You just started a business life with everything else. Um, yeah, I think that, man, I still have funny memories of when I was just a little kid. Um, even like my pet, uh, my cat, I, I remember just acting out commercials for my parents. It'd be like (laughs) cracking open a can of cat food and I'd be like, wouldn't it be a cool commercial if it showed me open the can of cat food and cat starts eating it. Then I take a bite of it too. Then I'm like, it's so good. Even humans eat it, you know? And just like, (laughs) I was always thinking of marketing, I guess, and and I never thought of it as marketing. I just was thinking about things like that. And um, even in middle school and first couple years in high school, and I was like skateboarding a ton, I was always paying attention to like all the cool skateboard brands and all the kind of individualism that was promoted in that industry. So I think when I got really into skiing and later in high school and first couple years of college, at the time, most brands were pretty loud. There's a lot of lightning bolts and flames on things, and kind of everything in the in the in the industry was yeah. uh, almost said it. <laughs> um, it's hard, you know, kind of loud. And I was like, man, where's like the understated, more simple um, brand in this industry? And so that was kind of like the inspiration for Discreet. And you know, and at the same time, I was like, man you know, as an athlete, you really have a shelf life. Totally. No matter how cemented you get and how how stabilized everything. Yeah. Cause I remember even when I started, some of the biggest name guys I saw were kind of moving on to their next phase in life. And a lot of them didn't have a concrete path. You know, I saw a couple struggling or a couple transitioning back to school and none of that, nothing's wrong with that. But I was like, man, I should really start a brand so I can kind of grow it while I pursue the athletic side of things and hopefully I could leverage one to the other. And, uh, and believe me, I mean, I graduated from the U in economics and jumping in, you know, feet first, full, full plunge into starting a business. Like, and anyone that's thinking about doing it, I just say, do it because you're going to be confronted with so much stuff that, uh, you don't really, you can't learn to anticipate. Yeah, in, you're not going to yeah. be ready. You're not going to learn enough yeah, skills. You just, do, just it. do it. Just do it. And just if you it. have enough, you know, um, resolve and belief and passion and whatever your idea is, you will, you know, Figure succeed and you'll learn so much. Yeah. And I think just finishing college was a nice peace of mind. It shows you can like complete tasks. Mm-hmm. Like I don't say that's not worth it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting because, like you said, I was balancing um, skiing or, you know, doing all my <laughs> athletic stuff. And at the time, I was, like, in school full time. Um, I was working in a sports bar in Salt Lake, like, four, four nights a week. Yeah. Trying to, you know, get discreet going and skiing my butt off every day. I owe you cookie. You owe and, me a uh, three I do, I do. just to run the tally, I but know. good thing I like cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the, the topics are a little bit intermingled, so it's yeah. kind of a... But that, I mean, just just to try to answer the question without a huge, long, drawn-out answer is that 
there was a lot of overlap, you know, right. and natural uh, tendency of me thinking, um, just like with the cat stuff when I was little. Yeah, I just saw that there was an opportunity in the beanie styles at the time because I didn't even know. Once I came up with the word discreet, it was from a uh, computer science class at the University of Utah. is like the worst grade I ever got because I stopped taking notes and paying attention because I was just like <laughs> doodling fonts of how to spell discrete because <laughs> that was so cool. And we still like name almost all our products after computer science terminology. Weird. I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, and it's unlimited. And what it's does Doyenator mean? Well, that was after Brandon oh. Doyon. Oh, okay. From one of our athletes, snowboarder, because, okay. and he has a cool story of why we named that after him was, like I was saying with the cat thing, once I came up with the name, I was like, okay, I want to like create a brand out of this. But I'm like, what am I going to create? And so I just saved up extra money from serving and stuff and bought. I saw uh, just from exploring the world of like what was out there in clothing and like snow style and saw these by the dozen at this strange wholesale factory like uh, website that they sold a dozen four inch cuffed beanies. They were just plain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, I could buy those, uncuff them. So they, And at the time, you know, from skateboarding and just baggy style, mm-hmm. I was like, it would be like a baggy beanie. I'm mm-hmm. like, you could just, but you'd like scrunch it down, put your beanie or your your uh, goggles on. Yeah. And it would just be like kind of a baggy looking beanie. Because the baggy beanie is like common and almost on its way out now. But I, from my perspective, like Discreet was kind of the originator of the baggy beanie, which was like a whole style. Yeah. It's like a thing. And that's what's really fun is to be a part of that, um, you know, origin of that style. Because by no means do I say we invented it, but we definitely were the first brand to popularize it and bring it to the market. Um, Because even the first couple years we were a brand, we were overselling those and getting reorders from like backcountry.com like crazy because they were Mm -hmm. just selling out. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, every beanie brand had that. Mm -hmm. But for two years, we were the only beanie brand with that style yeah and so none of it was intentional it wasn't like some business plan that i was going to bring a beanie baggy yeah. beanie to the market i had no idea any of that would happen i didn't even know kind we of were all in, these like, small parts yeah. of your life kind of com- coming together yeah and then having a rad dude like doyon understood that immediately because yeah. some of the homies i gave them all the beanies and they put it on just like and it just sat all tall on their head and they kind of laughed it off but then immediately doyon put it on, like scrunched it up, put his goggles on. He's like, oh, this is perfect, man. Yeah. And he's like Mr. Style. Yeah. And he just nailed it. And um, so anyway, we named it the Doinator because he loved it so much. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that you and Discreet were one of the very first companies to ever flow me. Gear. Oh, yeah. I or, still like, remember. It was the first company that put me on their website or as like yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. team. And yeah. like at the time, you had – at all the cool people yeah. on the team. And yeah. I was like, yes, yeah. I was so psyched. I still remember when you came up to our booth at, at the trade show and introduced yourself. And I was like, she was cool. <laughs> I think I like came with like a printed out oh, yeah. proposal. For sure. <laughs> Very, yes, um, type A of me. Um, well, yeah, basically that kind of, you kind of completed my question. I had a secondary question of like what advice you had and your advice is to just do it. Yeah, just find your footing. Yeah. Dip the toe. You know, maybe jump right in, but definitely just start. Like, don't wait for the right time. Just, just do start. it. Yeah. There's never going to be a right time. Like, Just get the ball in motion. You just do it. And just so would go. you say now, so the Cirque Series runs have become super popular. They have exploded. And obviously there's partnership with Cirque Series and Discreet, but does Cirque Series kind of in like more in the forefront of your mind, like maybe more of a priority for you? Because Discreet at this point, is it runs itself in a lot of ways. Like you have employees and 
things are going. And yeah, it's uh, it's nice because um, I just steer some ships in the background, and we got great employees at Discreet that um, kind of handle the day to day, which is awesome. And uh, I can really take ownership and lead the whole Cirque Series mm-hmm. initiative, and it's great because ultimately um, I can still be productive and spend a lot of time in the mountains in the winter mm-hmm. and uh and then in the summer I'm in the mountains and focus on that, <laughs> get yeah. to focus on the races and it's cool because I get to be in the high alpine year round you know yeah. and that's something that I love personally but then to you know storytell and create the brands that are also aligned with just loving to be in the mountains is uh really just so grateful for it but definitely have like been intentional with creating those kind of parameters for everyone I've talked to that's done a six series race has had a blast. I know I need to get my button gear and do one (laughs) soon enough. Yeah. They they really are a blast. I know. I'm like so anti anything with the word race or competition (laughs) or anything. I I just like want to enjoy myself, but I understand that like it doesn't have to be a competition. Yeah. (laughs) It's just something to do with a bunch of awesome people in a rad environment. Exactly. Go hike a mountain with a 499 yeah. other good friends. I've just tried to run up mountains with you, man. And I'm too fast, <laughs> and I'm not. Oh, man, you'd love <gasps> it. You'll do it. You'll see. You'll I'll see. do it. I'll yep. do it. Hopefully, yes, this year. Yes, I love it. Holding <laughs> now, you to that. Now we have it. It's um, <laughs> Cheers to that. It's not in writing, but it's on audio, so. All right. Okay, yeah, it's even better. Okay, so another thing that, um, I mean, I know about you, but I don't know if a lot of people know this about you, but your dad is an amazing musician. Yeah, man, he he's an insane musician. It's pretty cool to have a dad that can jam so well yeah Yeah. I got to see him only once but I've kind of like heard you talk about him and um I just kind of want to know kind of how like that having um a family member like involved in music I think is such a cool inspiring kind of lifestyle but then also like are you musical man I love music but I don't play any instruments yeah and when I remember I was in like later in high school and finally I just realized I didn't play an instrument and I was like, dad, why do, how come I don't know how to play any instruments? Like, come on. Cause like, he can play multiple instruments. Yeah. He's pretty good on he's quite a few, a bass. but he plays mostly acoustic bass. Yeah. Stand up bass. And, uh, he was like, Hey, you grew up with all kinds of instruments around you. He's like, you kind of got into the saxophone for a while. You kind of got into the drums for a while. And you were more interested in sports. So he's like, I just supported that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he did really support me with sports like big time. And so obviously I have no complaints, but I was like, well, come on, dad. He could have at least tried to make me go to a lesson every week (laughs) for at least a moment of time. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, I guess I could have, but you were pretty much just into sports. So that's what you were into. I'm like, all right, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Um, You definitely do always have the hot jams. I know that about you. Um, So do you... I've never seen it and I've never like heard of it, but do you do karaoke? Like in the situation where it's like, <laughs> it's presented. Well, it's funny because I Are you willing to karaoke? Never really, yeah, I am. And I have. What's I never, your go-to karaoke song? Then? Well, it's funny because I avoided it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I always would tell people, I'd be like, I'll do it if they have Steely Dan Peg. Because <laughs> it's like my favorite song. And I knew that. And we would go to all these places. All my friends would always look to see if they had it. And just they never did. Finally, at this like uh, it's the garage now on yeah. Beck Street, but Which before it got turned to garage, it was called uh, Jimax, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a no. I mean, it was kind of seedy, you know. Mm-hmm. So me and my buddy uh, Walker and Billy went there once. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's go, and we like 
dared ourselves essentially because we <laughs> thought it was going to be kind of sketchy in there. And we go in and it's like, like pretty up. nice in there. And they it's a two week approval like process just to even get a membership back when you had to like get your membership to be in a club in Utah. Oh, so. We did. We went through the two-week vetting, and then there was a karaoke there at Jimax. And Walker was like, his eyes got all big. He's like, Steely Dan Peg. No way. It's in it. So you were on the team. So first time I did karaoke was at the Jimax and did Steely Dan Peg. Perfect. And it was great. Nice. And since then, I, in another random place, Kimberly, BC, I was doing some film project just in the middle of nowhere in Canada. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, karaoke, I'm like, all right, if they got Steely Dan Peg, and they had Steely Dan Peg. And <laughs> so still, that's kind of my rule now. Yeah. But now, just everywhere has everything because it's yeah. all digital. But yeah, I don't I, I don't really seek out karaoke? the karaoke. But I, I like to know that you have a go-to, though. That's yeah, cool. oh, yeah. I mean, had I thought about that for five more seconds, I would have <laughs> you figured that, figured one, out, that right? one out for myself. <laughs> but okay, Steely Dan Peg, we yeah. know. If, if anyone doesn't know that song, check it out. Because it is the hot jam, my favorite song of all time. I absolutely didn't know it before I knew you. Yeah. Now you're pretty aware, right? <laughs> yes, I'm very and aware. And it's good, right? It's very good. Yeah, get you it's going. very good. <laughs> Steely Dan is, for some reason, always like sneaks into like all of my Spotify uh, radio stations. Yes. Like it doesn't really matter like what the station is. Somehow, Somehow. Steely Dan like, gets that? in there. Funky jam. Like, and you're like, oh, Steely, Steely Dan. Dan. Yep. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> Okay, um, obviously we're not going to talk without me asking the story of your hair. You have very long oh, hair. Oh, yeah. Man, holy cow. <laughs> what, it, okay, how long is it? When was the last time you got it cut? Like, wh- like, why the long hair? Like, why not cut it? I mean, I'm coming from a biased position because my boyfriend, Todd, your friend, yeah. has long hair. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, cut it. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's So help me understand. <laughs> there was – it was – okay, so my sister – is a hairstylist. She lives in Portland. Uh, back when she went through school, she would cut my hair like once a month. And I just had normal like guy hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she got married and moved to Portland um, when I was in college. And I guess I was like picky with who cut my hair. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she left. So I was like, well, who's going to cut my hair? And I was busy skiing and a whole winter went by and I had like shaggy hair by the end of the winter. Mm-hmm. And then... The whole summer went by, and I just would, like, put sunglasses on and, like, pull my hair back. So, like, didn't really bug me. Yeah. And then the whole next winter went by, and I'm like, well, I guess I got long hair. <laughs> and then it just kept going from there. Yeah. And so, I mean, other than when I see my sister in Portland a couple times a year, she'll, like, snip off the ends to, like, like a make little, sure it's healthy. Like you know? a little trim. Are we yeah. talking, like, an inch or less? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so— And so how long And that's ago? why I think it's gotten so long is because ever since I started growing it, like once or twice a year, my sister would cut off like the unhealthy ends. Yeah, and that's so why I just so long. kept because it's very long. Oh, I mean, it's like literally it's to like my hamstrings. Yeah, that's it's too. <laughs> it's crazy, but I never have it down. Like, yeah, I've ever. seen it down once. Yeah, so Rachel Burks and I tried to curl it one time. Oh, that's right. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like now to the point where. I don't even know what the deal is. Like, but how long ago was that when your sister moved away? I mean, I mean, we're that was like ten plus years ago. Okay, so, so I mean, it's been growing for a long time. So this is very interesting because Todd has my boyfriend has very long hair. If anyone goes to my Instagram, they will see it. Yes, he does. Um, 
and he doesn't believe in split ends. He thinks the reason he has long hair is because he never gets haircuts. And he thinks split ends are something our hairdressers invented to make us come back and get haircuts. And so you're saying the opposite. You're saying the reason your hair is so long is because of those little trims on your split ends. Yeah, I think there's definitely some validity in both those perspectives. That's true. That's, I a, think that's that... a very Julian Carr thing to say. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I was always just like no uh, hair dryers mm-hmm. and no product. Yeah. So like, I thought my hair would just stay healthy if you never messed with it. Messed with it. Yeah. So I think that could also be valid. And so it's just it's 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 here. Well, it's back there. Do you and think I've, you'll ever cut it? Oh yeah, I'm sure I will. Sometime. Yeah. yeah, but I think part of that process is like when I was growing up, I tried like a mohawk once. I would have like the super short like one inch hair. I'd bleach it blonde. Um, I mean, I've all tried all you. kinds of hair, <laughs> haircuts, right? And so I think what I'm doing is a unintentional, I'm going to have like the best mullet of all time, is I think really what I'm doing with my long hair. Yeah. And that's why I've been growing it for a decade, so that oh. when I do cut it, it'll be like undeniably the sickest mullet ever. Yeah. Wow. I have like a mullet phase, so I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Wow. Yeah, it's not confirmed, but... I think so. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yeah. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. it's good to have goals in yes. every area yes. of your life. Okay. Wow. I feel like I actually really learned something there. <laughs> um, Julian, do you have any guilty pleasures? Like, what are like things that you just love to do that nobody would guess? Oh, let's see. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind, which I wish I didn't, but I love chips. Chips. Like, I just love chips. Chips are There's so many good, good flavors. Like. Like sun basic chips, chips or, but, okay, sun chips. Um, you know, kettle chips, probably my favorite. There's just so many good chips. Yeah, and chips are good. And I know they're not good for you. Yeah. It's not that exciting, but chips. Chips? Every time I open a bag, I'm like... Do you rifle through a bag, like, right away? I can try to have some restraint. I try to just buy bags that aren't that big. Yeah. And I'll, like, limit myself when I go to the grocery store. I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to buy my one normal-sized bag of kettle for the week. Mm-hmm. And then I can eat them however fast, but I'm not going to buy another one, You're not gonna do another one later. So yeah. I might as well not eat them fast, so I'll have this for the week. Good strategy. Yeah. I remember one time we were going for a hike or something, and I'm, I'm a snack person. Yeah. I always have snacks. Mm-hmm. And you found my snack bag in the car, That's and you were right. like, yes, these are so many snacks. This is awesome. That was great. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad you appreciated it back there. <laughs> but there must have been some chips in there. All right, chips, that works. Um, next question. Um Kind of a basic question, but I feel like you might have an interesting answer. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, man, I think having, like, the knowledge and understanding of all words, all languages, like in every oh, dictionary. That and would just be really cool. And just have that kind of comprehensive, global, universal knowledge. Would be You'd like be like the superpower of communication. Like, you could communicate you with any person fundamentally in any understand everything to the point that you would put things together conceptually in a way that the world's never seen. Yeah, you know, you'd you would have like, a level of knowledge that no one's ever yeah. had. And you'd be able to construct ideas uh, in ways that, yeah, and- yeah, I think they would just be better for the globe if there's anybody that had that ability. It would just be so cool. <sighs> Dang it. Like, I knew you were going to have a good answer, but that was better than I was expecting. <laughs> Okay, another kind of silly question. A lot of people like to talk about spirit animals. It's kind of like a spin-off of that question of if you could be one animal for one day, what would the animal be? I've always thought ravens are super cool. Well, that's your spirit animal. Yeah. I think that's 
Why? Why? But I think any any flying animal. Mm-hmm. It's just too cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hummingbird would be crazy because they're like that would be crazy. On rails, Quite zippy. you know. Yeah, I don't know anything that's flying. Mm-hmm. I mean, on land, the idea of being able to experience what it would be like to haul ass through a jungle like a twelve hundred pound like Siberian tiger would be pretty badass. Yeah, you can associate with what it likes to be a land feel animal. That like strength. Oh yeah, and to fly, it's like. Maybe it wouldn't be as cool as you thought, but to actually feel the agility cool. of a land animal that's that nimble, some... it'd be pretty cool. I'm changing my answer. 1,200 pounds Siberian tiger. Okay, cool. Day. I'll take it. All right. But I knew you were going to bring up ra- <laughs> We saw some really cool ravens when we were together earlier this year in Austria. That was cool. And I don't know, they looked like they were having quite the time. Yeah, those animals are pretty sweet. Yeah, nice. So I have a um, new thing on the podcast. I asked for some listener questions. Um, So people listening to the podcast, um, wanting to throw in some questions here. So this question is from Chris Conrad. He uh, DM'd me this question. And this question is, would you rather have a baby dragon or a cat-sized bear as a pet? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with dragon. Yeah. Because we've all seen bears. Yeah. And we'd kind of, that'd be cool too, but... Yeah. Dragons aren't really around, so yeah. that'd be kind of rad. Good good answer. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of questions, right? Like, does it stay a baby dragon or yeah. does it become a big dragon? Does it just like, burn down your house every night? Is it your buddy? Problematic. Yeah. I don't know. Can you train it? There, like, is it well, gonna, you yeah. could watch that movie, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Even if it did cause a lot of, a lot of hassle, I think I'd go down that, that yeah. path. I think it'd be very interesting. Yeah. What, did, what about Chris? You should ask him back. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> DM me. Yeah. What, what was your answer? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. So we are going to move to two highs and one low. We do this on every episode of the podcast and I ask you to tell me two highs and one low of the last year of your life, completely outside of your career as a S worder. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds kind of (laughs) weird. Um, well, I'd say for the Cirque series stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, for the past few years, there's this really cool federation called the Sky Running uh, series, and they kind of put together like this top echelon of races in Europe. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the the top of like the uh, mountain running world is to be part of that. And in the U.S., it's kind of like the JV version, but you can qualify to be in the Sky Running Europe League by these qualifying events in in USA. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to get Cirque Series to be part of. Uh, the sky running and this year uh, our Alieska race in Alaska and our Brighton here in Utah both of them are part of the sky running USA series that's awesome yeah so, so they're qualifiers for the sky series yeah wow yeah that's so cool I'm way excited about that because um, it's just our fourth year races and it's just like a nice affirmation that um, what you know, I originally have been putting together for the races to be just really cool world-class mm-hmm. mountaining adventures is is definitely being recognized by the, the real deal people. So it's like really gratifying. I'm way, yeah. way excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good high. Yeah. Got another one? Um, my dog, Lexi, she had to have double ACL surgery oh. about two years ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. And now in the last like six, seven months, she is back. So we're back hiking peaks back like you know full speed attack so my okay. little my little hiking buddy's back second high is lexi is on the mend yes you can follow lexi on instagram yeah the lexi dog, the lexi dog. Yeah. she she needs to up her posting frequency but 
I feel like once a quarter cool. is her average, so she doesn't overdo it. <laughs> yes. But maybe I'll get once once a month. Yes. How about that? <laughs> I like it. I follow yeah. her. Yes. Uh, Todd says that we can't have an Instagram for our dog, Bill, because he doesn't have a cell phone. And yeah, that's I can't valid too. really argue with that. Although, yeah. I could get him a cell phone. It's true. It'd just be Like there. get a little, like, dog and, Like, mash his paw on yeah. the button until he posts something. Do you like the face recognition, but, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. with his <laughs> paw? <laughs> Lexi will follow him. So. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. What about a low? Um, a low that it's April and we're not going to be able to ski any more pow in for, like, totally six more months. Oh, yeah. Shoot. <laughs> That was like part of the deal. Oh, um, you broke all the rules. It's okay. I like cookies. I think I get like yeah, four or five at least, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> no. Any other lows? Like just anything you had to face like throughout this last year that was maybe difficult or trying or anything like that. Sometimes I just like to acknowledge those, put it all in perspective. Nothing's coming to mind. This year was so fun. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm think. It's all, it's all, it's all high. Out. Yeah. It was a great year. Cool. Such a fun year. Good. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. I like that. Um, okay, did you come prepared with a story for me? Oh, yeah. So I, I was like, man, what should I, what's the story? But I, I kind of thought of something I thought people would want to hear that I think is interesting. And so I was like pretty much afraid of heights my whole like young life, like all the way up until like sixth or seventh grade. I was like the guy that didn't want to really go on a roller coaster if it had a loop in it. If we went across like the Golden Gate Bridge, I would get on like the floor of our car to not look what? out the window. And then um, there was even like this kind of sky ride ride at Disneyland called the Peter Pan ride. And it was like literally a sky ride. It was a Peter Pan ride. Yeah. And I was like pretty freaked out about it because it was like kind of high up, even though it's just a sky ride. Yeah. And then it's just so weird because in eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade, I like turned a corner and there was like this outdoor festival at Liberty Park, which is just, you know, a block yeah. from where we're at right now, obviously. And they had like a outdoor festival and I was there with some friends and we're just having the festival. And we there was bungee jumping from your ankles from about 170 feet on this rickety crane. Oh it was God. pretty sketchy, even yeah. like right now. I don't yeah. know if I'd want to go do it. And I remember I was like, that is awesome. And I found a random stranger to be our signer, like our parent <laughs> signer, because it was me and my friends. Yeah. And so this random dude yeah. like signed up, me and my buddies. And there I am, 170 feet above the whole tree line of Salt Lake. And, and scared of heights ankles, at this point. I was over it. it just, I was like, that oh, moment. it's over. Pretty much. It was that year. Somehow I turned the corner. Wow. And just, I've really liked heights since then. So it's like crazy. so strange that it wasn't always something that I liked, yeah, no. you know, and that's my story. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. I, I was kind of the same way when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like I was not super, I was kind of scared of chairlifts and I wouldn't like jump off big cliffs into water. And, but for me, it didn't change until like my twenties. Yeah. And I was, I think I was like, I was on this trip in Europe with my dad and it was, we were canyoneering and there was some 20 foot cliff to jump off into water and all of the tourists on our thing where like scared and it was all guys and just me and I was like screw it I'll do it you know even though I'm terrified right now (laughs) and I did it and then all the men on the trip every single one of them because the girl did it they all All did it and they were all so scared and I don't know something about just that I was like okay I'm gonna jump off big stuff now That's perfect. I love it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Julian Carr, afraid of heights as a child. Who would know? know? Getting the inside scoop here on the 
podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I guess we're out of time. Cool, that was fun. Yeah, thank you for being here. For people listening, where can they follow you? Or Probably the easiest is just on Instagram, so at Julian Carr. Cool. They and could... check out the races, yeah, Surf Series and at Discreet. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. It was very nice to ski with you yesterday. Yeah, it was a blast. Very nice to not talk about skiing today. And, <laughs> I tried. I did. Um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully we can plan some summer adventures this year. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you, everybody, um, wherever you are, for listening to the Long Underwear podcast. Um, listener questions. If you guys have questions you want me to ask these guys, send me a message. Leave a comment on one of my posts. Uh, pretty easy to get in touch with me these days. Um, I think it's a fun thing. So you guys should chip in. Um, you can follow me at a Inger Betson and look forward to seeing you next time on Long Underwear. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Inger Betson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. Art is by Barclay Wyrock and editing and mixing by Jason McDaniel.